Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a mid-sized SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower. Hybrid Max powertrain on limited and platinum trims delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first-ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander. The following ad is sponsored by Pets Best Insurance Services. Pets come into our lives in many ways. Shelters, breeders, or unexpected encounters. But no matter how you found your pet, they become our perfect match. Unfortunately, finding the right pet insurance plan can be hard. That's where Pets Best comes in. With a little information about you and your pet, Pets Best will recommend a plan that meets your needs and budget. Visit PetsBest.com to learn more today. Your perfect pet deserves the perfect coverage. PetsBest.com. The Around the NFL podcast is not the official voice of the Los Angeles Chargers. Why the hell am I doing this? Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hanses, and I am joined by a room filled with heroes, Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What is up, men? Hey, Dan. Oh, Wes is here. Wes is here. It's so great when Wes is here. Wes, you did some updates um, on your status. As we all know, if you're paying attention, Chris Wessling, the f***ing warrior, during his fight with the big <laughs> C. Uh, and I know on, on social media you gave an update on your situation. Do you care to send a message to the listener or an update to the listeners that maybe did not see that? Well, I, I'm i coming up on my last uh, chemo treatment in two weeks. So I asked my doctor uh, what, I, what I should expect, and he put me in touch with a really nice guy who's about five years older than me and went through the same surgery, GI joint, which is where your esophagus meets your stomach, and had a lot of the same post-surgery complications and trouble with chemo that I had. So I got a lot of frank um, talk about what I have to look forward to, and it was a little sobering for me. Um, I've been hoping that change was coming right around the corner, change for the better, and it sounds like I have another year or so before I'll even be able to eat mm. semi-normally. Um, I may never drink like I did in the past. I probably will never drink alcohol like I did in the past. So uh, lifestyle changes are coming and probably needed to be coming, but I'm a person who, I, you know, Ernest Hemingway used to say, I drink to make people more interesting. <laughs> I drink because bars are fun, and that's where interesting people hang out. <laughs> I love characters. I think life is intolerably dull without interesting people, and I'm a little concerned that that chapter of my life might be coming to a close. How about acid? Work that into the mix. <laughs> I, I've never tried it. Uh, Mark? <laughs> uh, not recently. Mark's on acid right now. <laughs> I am not. I will say. I had some great experiences on acid uh, All right. back in college. Uh, okay. <laughs> great time. <laughs> I uh, I mean, Wes is, you know, from the first week that I hung out with Wes in person, 
immediately shot into the higher, highest echelons of bar <laughs> friends I've ever had. And so it's uh, it's been a, a quiet period on that front, and I I continue to miss Wes in well, environments. I, absolutely. I feel the same way. And on the flip side, Hemingway's comment, drinking to make other people more interesting, there is the person that is not interesting unless they're drunk or stoned or whatever. Wes, you do not fall in that category. I was so, going to say, I'm right. a little, yeah, we're not I'm a little gonna, nervous that I could be. No, yeah, we're not no. gonna, it's been so long no. since no. I've been anything but them. No, you're a dynamic character, sober or bombed. And, um, you know, that's why we love you. <laughs> uh, but Wes, yeah. NFL but, loving this episode. It's, a, it's amazing, though, Wes, because in, the, um, in my lifetime anyway, I've never had someone close to me that was close to my age uh, that went through something like this. And it has been kind of a um, sobering to see what a long battle it is. It's not just like, oh, I have cancer. I'm going to get chemo. I'm going to have surgery. And then there are a couple checkups and I'm done. That's what I thought it was going to be. And I think when we were talking through this process, maybe you thought the same way. And it's it's not that, obviously. Yeah, I think we've reached the point where it's still a physical hurdle, but it's as much mental as physical yeah. now. And the length of the battle is is that it's that I I had hoped that, you know, chem- the end of chemo becomes a launching point to restart a normal lifestyle, and that's just not what's going to happen. But it might it, – it will be a great end that chemo is coming soon for the listeners. It's that's a celebration. It's in, in a few weeks uh, at the start of the new year, and who knows? Like, I think you're learning that, that – you don't know what's going to be in front of you and it is a recovery, but I think you're going to, maybe you're not having a lot of drinks when you're at the bar, but maybe you can be sipping a a drink or two and maybe you'll appreciate that time with, with the people around you there like more than ever. So that's a, that's one way I hope that happens. Could be very possible. And it might be a while before I break out the big green egg again. And that's need that back. I mean, that's something it's not just that I like the eating and the and the drinking that goes with it. I like the whole process. It's a hobby, you know, and I miss that. The Big Green Egg is Wes's famous barbecue tool. And before we get into the Week 17 games, I will keep the uh, floor open. Any questions about Little C and what I've been dealing with? Dan, about. I know that you've been through a lot a cold? this season. You, 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 do you have a cold now? Or? Yeah, I, I, another one came back. Another. You, yeah. you are again dealing with this. Yeah. A three-year-old and a one-year-old at home. It's just, it's relentless. Is it anything like the big sneeze when you get when you get the sniffles? You have to wait for it to come back. I mean, it might haunt you again, and it's a long, protracted process. You know what? We buried the lead here. Let's save it for the Big C, Little C podcast. Okay. All right. And all the questions can be answered because, yes, it is. People have 17. them. Yeah. About Little C, they've got a lot. There's a lot of inquiries. Specifically the person that has Little C and what's going on in their mind. Um, but, yes, we accept. So Wes is with us, and, and he's on the path to recovery, and we're so happy about that. Uh, but we have to get to some games now. And we have to talk about Week 17, uh, which will give us – uh, 32 teams. Nobody's on by. So you divide the 32 by two. And then you get 16 games to talk about. <laughs> I actually did get lost there for a second. Well, you're dealing with, you know, health issues. Because I was going to divide 32 by 16 and that would have ended me at two. And then I would have been a little lost. But I made it. I'm alive. 39 on a state mandated math test. But that's the past. Now we talk about the future. Week 17. Let's start, gentlemen, with the Green Bay Packers, uh, who are out of the playoffs. They travel to Detroit, Detroit to face the Lions, who are out of the playoffs. 
Uh, so, Mark, why don't we talk about what's going on with the coaching staffs of the respective teams, starting with Jim Caldwell. Uh, where are we at there? What are you hearing, Marky? Well, uh, Albert Breer, our former colleague who now works for MMQB. Bert! is the latest to report that there are, well, there have been rumblings for a few weeks, I don't think this is a surprise to anyone, that Jim Caldwell could likely be out at the end of the season. And, you know, we've mentioned on this show that if you're Bob Quinn and you're you're a general manager who's not had a chance, you inherited Caldwell, and you come from the Patriots organization, that there are obvious links, if you're a Lions fan, to someone like Josh McDaniels or Matt Patricia as maybe someone that... Uh, Quinn could reach out to and replace Caldwell with. My question would be, if you are one of those two prize Patriots assistants, is this a better potential job opening than the Giants, the Colts, the Cardinals, the Broncos, maybe even the Raiders? Or, I don't know. Or staying with the Patriots. Or staying where they've stayed year after year in the face of temptation to go become a head coach. Yeah, the interesting part of that that Breer note, and Ian Rappaport on NFL Network has really been reporting or at least hinting at this for weeks. And I don't think these reports or hints come out of nowhere. I think they have information where if the Lions don't end up making the playoffs or whatever, that that Bob Quinn's going to want to get his guy. Breer's report mentioned that Jim Bob Cooter, who has overseen the best two and a half years of Matthew Stafford's career, like the one thing the Lions have for sure now is a top 10 quarterback. I think he's had a really good year. He played really well last year. And the thought is maybe that Patricia would come in and they would keep Jim Bob Cooter to run the offense. I kind of like that little combination. Well, why not? So Jim Bob Cooter wouldn't be seen as a head coaching candidate after what he's done because other teams may see him that way. Is the bloom off the Cooter Rose a little bit? I know it was he was a hot name getting a lot of hot talk. Uh, the Cooter was getting that, but is he still getting the hot talk? Is the Cooter still getting a lot of it? Was love? coming from you yourself, so you you know. Maybe. Listen, people were hot about the Cooter, but it's it, at this point it seems like maybe is he still a hot name? I don't know if it's just Matthew Stafford growing up and Jim Bob Cooter maturing, but he's played his best football of his career with Jim Bob Cooter. I think that's a fact. But yeah, he's not a problem at all now. I mean, he is a big time asset. He's changed the way he's quarterback. He used to rely heavily on Calvin Johnson, and now he actually has to play quarterback. And you know, maybe they'll finally find a power back because that's something missing from their offense for years. They they have a third and one problem, the worst in the NFL, and that's been a problem for years. That. To me, in addition to the coaching, you have to change the way you do things on offense. They have to be more exciting too. Like there's just that general malaise with the the lines. Doesn't it feel that way? I mean, yeah. Which begs the question: Is Jim Caldwell getting a raw deal? Mm-hmm. Because with the talent on that roster, I think he's done fairly well. I think thirty-five he, and twenty-eight with two playoff appearances. Plenty of teams would take that. He's he has more. You, you know, years at 500 or better than the Lions had in like something like the previous 25 years. I think he is getting a bit of a raw deal, but this is kind of what happens when new GMs come in. You have to be go above and beyond to keep your job because if you're Bob Quinn, you're only going to get one hire most likely, and you kind of want to get that get that thing going. Uh, yes or no, Mark? Before we move on to the next game. Dom Capers coaching his last game as defensive coordinator in Green Bay. I mean, definitely not based on history. Oh, Here's, yes or no? I mean, yeah, okay, yes, because I wanted. I think finally it's time to make a change in Green Bay. There, the intriguing name to watch there is Vic Fangio. Fangio might be available with John Fox's regime on the way out in he Chicago. Should be high. And Tom Pelissero and Rapsheet have both linked 
Nick Pongio to Green Bay. And they're not going to get rid of Mike McCarthy, but if ever there was a year to do it, I would propose I'd like to see Aaron Rodgers play in a different offensive system at some point in his career. I know the Packers... Brass probably disagrees, but do, is is this it? We just get McCarthy for Aaron Rodgers. It's funny because some career. people would say the other way. One of the great blessings of his career is that he's been able to stay. I think Aaron Rodgers could have could have lifted up a lot of coaches, and I would I would like to see him you, in a different. It's team. just the 12, 12 teams potentially getting a coach. You got to find someone better than Mike McCarthy. Speaking of a bunch of coaches. Um, ending their tenures with their team. Here we go, Greg. Over-unders. We talk about the Texans and Colts. And don't get mad at us if we don't dig deep on some of these games because the ones that don't matter, they don't matter. So we're talking, we're spinning forward on some of them. Here we go. The Texans at Colts, a four-win team against a three-win team. Over-under, Greg. Uh, Coaches that will be fired the next day involved with this game. I'll set it at one and a half. Does that include assistants or no head coaches? Head, head coaches, coaches. So. under for sure. Because for sure, he says. I do because I think if Bill O'Brien leaves or or gets fired, I don't think it'll be within a day. This feels like something that could string out, and you hear a lot of reports that O'Brien and Rick Smith are not on the same page, and there might be a, a situation where the owner Bob McNair has to be forced to choose between the two of them. That smells like something that's not going to happen overnight. There's going to be meetings. It, it could be one that goes deep into the next week, and, and maybe it is Rick Smith that goes. If I was making a choice, I'd keep Bill O'Brien. I would, too. What does that accomplish, though, if they, let's say that's how it did play out and they made a decision a week later when all these other teams, there's like 12 teams looking for head coaches? Or two or three days later. I think, you have to have, I think you're going to have to go through a process. He might be someone that could be traded, people have talked about. He doesn't necessarily want to sign a contract extension. He only has one more year, so those conversations well, How do you get rid of... of- Bill O'Brien, when you look back during the portion of the season when he had a functional quarterback and what that offense was doing. Right. That's what you hired you Bill don't. O'Brien. More like, it would be more it seems like behind the scenes stuff no, that's going on. And, with that's, that and it's been, we're in a year three of that, of that guy. Right. It's been going on for 100 years in the NFL. Right. And O'Brien, it seems to go on every year, no matter what job he's at, whether it's Penn State or New England or Houston. And so we'll see. I think he's scheming a little bit behind the scenes. And this is a game no one really cares about. But you know what? I'm going to care about it because I'm going to lock up the Colts. <laughs> well, no Where DeAndre we Hopkins for the Texans. So, Oh, really? Yeah. A, too late. Know that. Quick, a quick stop for um, uh, to reassess where we are in the lock battle because I know uh, I have fallen into a tie with Mark at nine and seven. Uh, I believe is that where it we is are? a tie, except that the tiebreaker goes to the lockoffs, and you are zero and two facing Mark Sessler. And <laughs> I like loss. that we're just. Where did that come from? <laughs> that seems logical to me. I'm sure it does. Where did you get your lock last week, Greg? No, I had the um, Jaguar. All right, so you're a game behind. Uh, I mean, Mark this, and I are tied. It's like the 2013 AFC South right now. <laughs> I mean, good. yeah, I'm, you know, there's still a chance at a trophy. But, but we did decide we're going to take this through the season. So going into uh, the last month of the year, uh, one game lead for Mark and I with Sessler surging. But the, the tiebreaker thing, that's not a real thing. Actually, according to Lock It Up, I have never in the history of Lock It Up lost a game between weeks 13 and 17, I believe it was. Ooh, saucy. One thing, Hopkins, game time decision, it sounds like, but unlikely to play. And you locked up who? The Colts. You did mirror? You good with the mirror? The mirror? You got to look okay. in the mirror. Can you look at yourself in the mirror? If Hopkins doesn't They've play. They've lost seven straight Culture games. So. <laughs> no, I'm just a, it's a yes or no. It's I, not, yes. I okay. can say yeah. it's a cra- it's, a, it's <laughs> an interesting lock. and it's. Before we move on here, yes, let's sir. pour one out for Chuck Pagano. 
Yeah, it's true. Bags. Said this is our last rodeo together. A guy who was all but fired two years ago walked into a meeting with Jim Irsay, saved his job. He's beat cancer. Out of all the head coaches in the league, seems like one of the best human beings. Seems like a great dude. Seems his players love playing for him. They have been competitive this year with a absolutely atrocious roster. They haven't been competitive in one loss record, but they've been in most games. And he's been one of my favorite guys to cover over the last few years. It's interesting that job too, because he's definitely going. Uh, is it a good job? It's really- usually the young quarterback, franchise quarterback. Oh, that's one of the places you want to go, but you don't know what's going on with it, Andrew Luck. It's a high upside, high failure rate type of job because of Luck's injury and because of ownership. Yes. I think all the owners are doing a great job, but well Greg done, disagrees. <laughs> what I said. Just a little volatile. Let's move on to Chicago Bears. Chicago Bears. I think they're going to finish in last place, I believe, in the third straight season under John Fox, another guy who will be out of work uh, in all likelihood come Monday, but we shall see. Traveling to Minnesota, Greg, to face the Vikings. Uh, the Vikings win, and they have a first-round bye. Can they do anything else? They cannot move up to the number one seed, and there are so many different scenarios uh, in in terms of them getting that bye, including a Rams win, uh, including uh, Carolina loss, Car- fired up loss, Lindsay. of course. That there's only a one in thirty-two chance. Yeah, Ooh, one in thirty. Ooh, this real permutation. <laughs> also with us. That's Saints, what I'm talking Saints about. Win. And a Saints win. Greg just dropped the one in thirty-two chance. It's, it's a one in thirty-two chance they don't get this by, according to I believe it was five thirty-eight dot com. No, so it's because it's your modem. I think it's pretty safe. <laughs> I think it's pretty safe. By the way, that they that they beat the Bears too. Well, and can you? I just look at this Vikings team every week on Game Pass, and uh, can you find a legit weakness? No, mm. I, I'm not. When the when the offensive line isn't healthy, I don't know if I really trust the running game. I don't know if it's a weakness. It's not really a strength. Sam Bradford could be returning to practice next week, which is strange. I, I don't need him. Griffin in my life. has not been as dominant since he's been playing through an injury over the last month. That would be one, but they're still really good on defense. Yeah, they have they have that luxury of having three quarterbacks to choose from. But if something ever happened to Case Keenum, you would go either Sam Bradford coming back from his 800th knee injury or Teddy Bridgewater, who's thrown like four passes in the last three years. So. That would be a very dangerous scenario, but I respect Case too much to call him a potential liability. He's been too good this There's year. There's no one like the Vikings in the NFL in terms of defensive defense. Like I almost wonder if the bye hurts them. They don't really need a, a week off. Maybe the offensive line needs to get healthier, but they have eight guys on their team that have 700 snaps or more. They, they basically the same guys stay on the field. And then there's four more guys on the team that have 500 snaps or more. That's just not how the NFL works in 2017 because of injuries and because of rotation. It's basically 12 guys playing almost all the snaps and they're all really good players and they've all been in that system. Like this is, this is their time. I don't even think they want a week off. I think that's a key. They've all been playing under Mike Zimmer for three or four years. Yep. Now. And I think they're going to play a home Super Bowl game too. Mm. Hubba hubba. Well, it's about time. It would be cool Spoiler to see. Alert. I like the Rams a lot too. I mean, they're just. I mean, but, how about you know. like Terrence Newman is thirty nine years old and is playing really well as their slot cornerback. That is an insane feat. Speaking by of, Terrence Newman. Speaking of cornerbacks in this game, I thought Kyle Fuller for the Bears had one of the Woo! best cornerback games all year. Six passes defensed against the Browns last week. He had ten targets into his coverage and allowed a wow. zero passer rating. That's good. You're right about Fangio. He's going to be highly sought, sat, uh, sought after. 
as a coordinator. Or sat upon. Um, <laughs> let's move on. The AFC East. Ooh, up for grabs. Winner wins the East. Jets versus Patriots. No. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> that was just a dream scenario within my mind. Uh, yeah, the Jets are 5-10. and ten, Losers of, I believe, 8 of 9. Something that was... 8 of 10, something like that. It's bad. Travel to New England, Foxborough, in fact, the mall to face the Pats, who they win, and they are in with the number one seed in the AFC. The people in the desert, they don't like the Jets' chances here. And I'll tell you what, neither do I, Mark, because... uh, you're going to lock up the Patriots? The, the, the Bryce Betty is going to get another start, despite being atrocious. And uh, there are whispers that the hack could be involved. Don't see that leading to any glory. No, it's uh, it's an ugly end to the year for the Jets, who I think have been, despite a record, I mean, they really struggled down the stretch. But for what people thought they would be and what they've been, I think Todd Bowles deserves to stick around. That's just my opinion. I think even some Jets fans don't agree. But can yeah. you ever in your life... Imagine a magical NFL scenario in a, in a season absent of enough magic where this little Jets team somehow <laughs> sticks around against the Patriots and maybe just some last-minute field goal that goes right through the uprights and gives New York a miracle win while the Steelers handle Cleveland to f- topsy-turvy flip-flop the <laughs> AFC by scenario. Me neither. <laughs> Bryce Petty has stuck around against the Saints and Chargers. It hasn't been because of Bryce, Bryce Petty. Petty. He's Jets been terrible. Have. The Jets have stuck around with, with Bryce Petty. Every decade or so in the NFL brings you a Ryan Lindley-level quarterback like Bryce Petty, <laughs> who is averaging less than three adjusted net yards per pass attempt, which is atrocious. This guy's terrible. And you asked last week, Dan, how bad can Hackenberg be? Well, he's got to be worse than the worst because Bryce Petty's the worst. Like, is he missing an arm? Like, what is going on with Christian? Why? What's happening with him? In the the truth of the matter, I want it. Here's one thing: we've seen him in the preseason. If you yeah, hasn't been good. Yeah, not good. But Bryce Petty was awesome in the preseason. So, what does the preseason t- tell you? You know, maybe it's a neck up scenario with Hackenberg. What? They won't even allow him. What is it that you to want? see the field? This is this is the one thing that I'm gonna get juiced up about, Mark. Let's let's hear it. You ever hear this? It's a bit of a cliche in football. Weather is the great equalizer. (laughs) Judy Batista, our own Judy Batista, uh, tweeted today, the Patriots just sent out an advisory for fans going to Sunday's game. Temperatures in single digits. Blankets allowed. Have them folded and draped loosely over arms for security. Mark, you're you're kind of a renegade. I feel like you'd put it tightly over your arm, not loosely. Tightly. How nice of you to allow your fan base, who's probably dropping, you know, in excess of $200 a ticket to come watch this stink bomb of a game to bring a blanket. How kind of you. And more bad news, this for you, Lindsay, because I know you're a real drone head. Drones not allowed in stadium or parking lots. So Are, they, a, are they ever? Are they useless? That is an odd you can comment. Bring, a weird bring, thing to add. You can usually bring the drones. This game, How many drones do you have, Lindsay? You're up to like 20 now, right? Yeah, me and Trevor Bauer, the Indians pitcher, we work on them all the time. Do your your drones have the like those the candles that you collect on top of them so they can fly through the night too? I wish that would be a serious not the drones fire, fire hazard. This this game does matter for the Patriots. I think they want to get some cohesion going into the playoffs. I think they're going to play. Oh, well, you'll lot. get your cohesion. Well, they I, also need to win. Well, that's true too. But their linebackers are so terrible. And James Harrison, I have no idea. There's no, no way to know what James Harrison has left. But people that think that they signed him, 
just because, you know, get intel or whatever. Have you guys – no, they haven't been watching what the Patriots are putting out there at outside linebacker with Trevor Riley and just picking up guys, David Harris. You had, in, a, in the biggest game of the season, you had David Harris covering Le'Veon Bell one-on-one and Trey Flowers covering Le'Veon Bell one-on-one. It's one of the worst position groups, I would say, in the entire NFL. You've also had a lack of cohesion at receiver where Hogan and Amendola have been in and out. Hogan might be back this week. Malcolm Mitchell might might be back this week, which would be a huge addition. You're throwing a Kenny Britt, Philip Dorsett, and Jacob Hollister in some of the biggest games, as well as the Patriots have done. They sort of need to get whatever their playoff group is going to be on the field, and I think Harrison's going to end up being a big part of that. We'll get to more on Harrison later when we get to the Steelers. But It's good news for the Patriots that he was released for being a jerk instead of that he's just completely washed up. <laughs> Could be both. Yeah. Might be a combination, but we'll find out. Um, moving on. The Washington Redskins are finishing off a lackluster season. They're seven and eight, and their uh, reward in Week 17 is to uh, face the New York Giants uh, in the Meadowlands. Giants two and thirteen. They are a loss away from locking up uh, the second pick in the draft uh, this April. And here we go again, Wes. I'm going to do another over under. Over under that the starting quarterbacks involved in this game will both be with different teams or will be with different teams in 2018. I'll set it at one. Push. Push, okay. I think <laughs> I think Eli will be with a different team, but I don't see the Redskins letting a franchise quarterback like Kirk Cousins out of the building. Mm. Out of all the established quarterbacks in the NFL this year, my opinion on Kirk Cousins has changed the most. Wow. He has shown unbelievable grit. Growth in key areas, taking a beating behind a patchwork offensive line, lost his two best running backs, lost two 1,000-yard receivers, never got anything out of Terrell Pryor. His Pro Bowl tight end goes down. He's reach Played behind 12 offensive linemen, and only Brady and Breeze have more completions of 20 yards. This guy is averaging eight adjusted yards per attempt. He's on pace for his career-best TD-to-interception ratio. He has carried a decimated roster to seven wins. They ought to bring back him and Jay Gruden because this team will be a contender Ooh. next year. Are you locking Kirk Cousins up? No, I'm just no. saying this guy... He is one of the most understood players in the NFL. He did not come up big in the past couple of years. He has he is not some Andy Dalton guy who can't raise the level of his teammates. He has raised the level of his teammates. Also, if you're Jay Gruden or if you're the Redskins and you let Jay Gruden out the door on any level, you're not going to find a better coach than him this year. He, I just don't think so. Here's my only counter, and while I would guess Cousins is back, Bruce Allen has done made some crazy moves in the past who is apparently running the Redskins. And the Redskins under Dan Snyder have made some crazy moves in the past, including their coaches, including their quarterbacks. Bruce Allen, if you go back to what he did uh, in Tampa, I just don't put anything past them making a crazy wrong decision. That's fair. And if you look at his offseason comments, that's he, what I mean. He views Kirk Cousins as this year and an option year. He, that's his exact quote. We have an option year on him. He's counting the $34 million as an option. Now, you look, if you ever let that guy get to free agency, you'll see the kind of contract he commands, and you'll realize the rest of the league on, and quarterback-needy teams. Think about the teams that are looking for an answer for years. I think Jaguars I mean, would give him $100 million guaranteed. Look what He'd Von be the Miller, highest-paid player in NFL history. Look what Von Miller said about him after last week's game. Teams would literally kill to get Kirk Cousins on – on their team. I mean, I hope they wouldn't literally kill, but that's what <laughs> yeah. Tom Miller said. I don't think um, Eli's back personally. I think they're going to move him. 
and I think they're going to take a quarterback at number two and have a clean break. Now that I could, agree. I think it could, it might be fifty fifty or maybe sixty forty the other way. I don't know, but I just get the feeling they're going to cut ties with it. I don't think he's a starter going into next season with a new coaching staff when they have the number two pick. They they're going to get Josh Rose and they're going to get one of these guys that you've waited for. The timing's not, perfect for the Giants. He's not going to be the only Eli done in New York. Yeah, this no. Eli Apple thing is pretty bad. When when Landon Collins, who's a respected young star, goes on ESPN radio and calls you a cancer, that is some hardcore stuff. And everything we're hearing that's, and that's going around. that's the day before Eli Apple gets suspended for not listening to the coaches and not suiting up in the scout. And like, that's before that. Like We were just talking about Christian Hackenberg, one of the worst second-round picks ever, certainly in recent memory. I mean, Eli Apple was a first-round pick of the Giants last year, 2016, and there's almost certain there's a, a certainty that he won't be back. That is a monster bad it's, it's pick. It's a Johnny Manziel-level meltdown for a player that a year ago had some promise. It's crazy to think because they really wanted Jack Conklin, who got taken. They A team moved up. Tennessee moved up to take him at eight, and then they really wanted Leonard Floyd, reportedly. Didn't get either one of those. Reese takes Apple. Now, Reese is gone. Apple's probably going to be cut. Like It was just a disastrous sequence. Wes shouts to Bob McGuinn. Yeah, we never know what to do with these scattering reports because they're so diverse. And some of them, on some prospects, it can be like a 180-degree difference between scouts. But one scout said this to Bob McGinn before the draft. I worry about him because of the -the off-the-field issues. The kid has no life skills at all, just a baby. He scares me to death. Hmm. Well, he'll probably get a job somewhere. That was from Giants general manager of the past (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Mr. Reese. Uh, let's move on and check in with the other two teams in the NFC East, the uh, Dallas Cowboys and Philadelphia Eagles. Cowboys season ended in uh, flop style last week against the Seahawks. They're playing for nothing. The Eagles are 13-2, and two, and they uh, are they locked in at number one? They I, are. I get yeah. confused about this. So they're locked in, win or lose. I think you're going to see them sit some starters. They clinched it. Ooh, this game is – we can miss this one. There is nothing to take out of this game, right? They're going to play Nick Foles, I think, throughout the game because he needs the reps, according to to Peterson. Well, what if we want to watch he's, Sudafed? He he's been non you know, Peterson's been non-committal this week. I think that's a mistake. Also, someone someone did a study of teams that rest their starters that have a buy, and I, you know it's a small sample size. But the teams that don't rest their starters are way over five hundred in the divisional round, and the teams that do rest their starters are way under. Shocking. And so, I, I don't know. You don't want two weeks off. And rest, of resting your starters season. is completely blowing up the habits that you keep as a team all season long. Take that, Bill Pullian. <laughs> and one last note uh, from the Cowboys. Des Bryant uh, is coming off a, a down season. It's his third straight year where he has not reached 1,000 yards, and he's played sixteen. He's going to play 16 games. Uh, he was asked if he would take a pay cut. He's uh, scheduled to make $12.5 million next season. I haven't heard no talk about that, but if it comes, I don't know, probably not, Bryant said Wednesday. Hell no, nah, man. I believe in me. I think if he has a $16.5 million cap hit, and they would save a lot by getting rid of him. I think most teams would. I think his nightmare game last week where he's calling for the ball, then he fumbles right afterwards where he drops an open pass. Like, it it should do him in. They're passing it. Like, Dak Prescott looks like another. How do you replace him? I don't know. I told you don't pay sixteen and a half million dollars. You don't give him that contract to begin with, but you don't pay sixteen and a half million dollars to an okay number two receiver. I told David Ely, our editor, that 
that, you know, you start to form your off-season power rankings of tedious storylines that you're going to have to write mm. 7 billion articles about. Mm. This Des Bryant thing mm. is is at the top of my list uh, right it, now. It combines a lot of elements. Yes. A lot of elements uh, th- combined there, yes. I think true. they could change both coordinators in Dallas. I think the way that Prescott's looked, I think Scott Linehan might be the – someone's going to have to be the fall guy for how limited and tentative the passing game has I, been. That's been their biggest problem has been their passing I just game. had a vision, by the way. That they do cut ties with Dez. It's a financial decision, primarily combined with the lack of production comparatively. But in a true Cowboys move, even though they really need to add more pieces on defense, they take a wide receiver with like they move up and take a wide receiver at <laughs> yeah. number six. Oh, I I, I can like see that. them like signing Terrell Pryor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, moving on, the Cleveland Browns. Here we are. Here we are, Mark. The Cleveland Browns are 0 15. If they do not find a way against the Pittsburgh Steelers, they will become the second 0-16 team in NFL history. Uh, and this is a bad spot because the Steelers need the game. They're playing at the same time as the Patriots, so they're not going to be resting anybody. Uh, so here we are. Browns, Steelers, yikes. They're going 0-16. Yeah. You've had too many other options to prevent that. And this coaching staff has shown zero ability uh, or urgency to correct What's been wrong with this team all season long? It is an impossible team to watch. And I will say this one thing from the angle of this fan base that's been through hell, that when they came back in 1999, outside of one or two seasons, they've been awful for almost 20 years. And up until a couple years ago, packed that stadium full every Sunday. People kept renewing season tickets. Those people are getting old. Their children no longer want to attach themselves to a generational loser. And you have, you have at this point, I think, gone beyond the breaking point of asking people in Cleveland to continue to spend money on this product. This is an incredibly important offseason, but we say that about every Browns offseason. I think this is the lowest point of hope that you could ever possibly find as a Browns fan, no matter what the draft picks are, you have to find some sort of belief. You have college quarterbacks saying, I don't, I'm going to not enter the draft or find a way to not get picked by this organization. It is embarrassing, and it is the, they, are the mere, they are the counter opposite of the team they are playing this week in the Steelers. A year ago, Hugh Jackson said he would jump into Lake Erie if the Browns went one and fifteen again. Well, they're going zero and sixteen. Yeah, he might so have maybe an he's out. Got it out there. Yeah, but he did start his press conference by being proactive about the situation, bringing it up himself. Here's what Hugh had to say. Really going to jump into the heck? Lake. Yeah, yes, I got sir. to. So when? How? Uh, I, well, how you just jump in? When? That's going to be at my convenience, and hopefully, I can get a lot of people to come out. It'd be something uh, that we're going to make spectacle. special. He's going to do it in June. I don't like it. Don't like to do it for the reason why I'm having to do it, but I have to make doing my word, and uh, I just think that's what you do, you know, and so I do get that. I made a statement. I got to back it up, so uh, that's the type of person I am, so that's what we have to do. Counterpoint, don't do it, Hugh, because it's not a good look. It's not a... I get it's fun and you're a good sport, but you're almost celebrating 1-31. in Couldn't you die? Well, I also think he's not going to do it because he's going to lose, because I think he's going to lose his job when he loses this game. And then there's no more like cutesy jumping in lakes, which is too bad for him. But they are last in the league in points. They were second to last in points last year. He's an offensive coach. At, in his two years, they've been 30th or worst in points and points allowed and on both sides of the ball. It's like they. It's unbelievable how how bad that they have been, and I don't think there's any way he's back. Do you want to hear more rumblings at this point that a change will be made? I just 
We've not heard anything. There's synergy here with him jumping in the lake, considering you put the Bengals in a sack in the river. <laughs> and he could be winding up back in Cincinnati. He could, he could take that sack. Out of, is there a river connecting them? He can take the sack down to Cincinnati. Oh, this is There's Lake no Erie. This is not, not a river, per se. So. Uh, save it <laughs> for the Body of Water podcast. Uh, on the other side, so the Browns, they're in a heap of trouble right now. On the other side, the Steelers, uh, yes, a win at least gives you a shot to still get that one seed and potentially play at home if you see the Patriots again. Uh, but there's this drama now around the Steelers. Uh, a good week for a distraction because you're playing an 0-15 team. But uh, in general, you don't like to have these things. James Harrison, released by the team, goes and signs with the Patriots, and now uh, Steelers players have really been piling on Harrison. Uh, Marquise Pouncey, for instance, said that Harrison, quote, erased his own legacy. Let's hear more from Marquise. You don't want to be here to come out and say it. Don't make it look like the team, like it's the team fault and the organization. Like, you think the team, the organization want to get rid of James oh, no. Harrison? Like, let's be serious. Come on now. Trust me, if I wanted out, I wouldn't let the team take the blame for it. I tell you, I don't, I don't want to be that. I want to be gone. I want to go somewhere else and play differently. I want to go start somewhere else. I, I, that's me as a man. Like, that, that's what I would do. I'm not going to run it from there and say, oh, the team played me. I want to get cut. Like, no, that's not what, that's not what it was. Let's also hear from Bud Dupree. He's fired up. We really thought that. He would be the, just a role model to us. You know, we 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 really wanted it to happen. You know, uh, we like him as a person, but just as a player, we just feel like he's he's just all about himself. You know, we we all were just on the same page, and it just it just hurt us for real. You know, we looked at him as a real role model, as a real leader. This is from Jeremy Fowler of ESPN. Players witnessed Harrison sleeping in a recliner during position meetings and snoring loudly while outside linebackers coach Joey Porter tried to teach, according to a source. Sometimes Harrison would skip meetings altogether, and when he missed practices for various injuries, player suspicions would rise when Harrison conducted his famous powerlifting sessions the same week or day. He left the building at random times, would leave stadiums before or during games on days he was inactive, and told teammates he was trying to get traded released or placed on injured reserve. Some bad blood for a guy that's a Steelers legend. Not a good way for By the way, Joey Porter, not just his coach, but a former teammate. Who he said he's close enough that he texted Porter after the before the Patriots signing and said, hey, should I do this or not? Harrison did come out now after the fact, after these quotes from Pouncey, and say he did ask to be released uh, multiple times. He thought he was going to get playing time this year. He felt like he was signed, you know, sold a bill of goods by the Steelers. But he is the exact, uh, you know, how you always hear like, what a great guy. This veteran always showing like the young guys around, like, you know, very selfless. Of but Josh McCown. James Harrison is basically the opposite of right. that. He wanted to torpedo the younger guys' career and had no interest in helping them once he wasn't playing. We have no idea what's left in the tank because he's played about 50 snaps this year. But it's worth noting that he was Pro Football Focus's highest-graded defensive player in Pittsburgh last season, and he dominated in the playoffs. Mm. Makes you wonder why they weren't getting let him on the field this year. Uh, one last note from Marquise Pouncey. They were asked if he became Harrison became a locker room distraction toward the end. His message, I don't care. Bye. Have fun. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Let's move on. The Panthers at the Atlanta Falcons. Oh, yeah, Wes, I know um, that this is a game that has some real juice on both sides. Your thoughts on – let's start with the Falcons. Your thoughts on the Falcons right now, Wes? Well, I listened to your Tuesday show, and I I really saw the Falcons' Week 16 games differently than the entire podcast studio did. 
they did show up. They had rhythm, and then the officiating took them right out of that rhythm early in the game. And th- as far as luck and randomness in a football game, this was one of the most drastic examples you ever see. You had a butt interception, a butt fumble. Vic Beasley, it's the butt pick, the was. butt pick, yeah. yeah, butt pick, yeah. butt fumble. Vic Beasley bats a ball straight up into the air. It could have been easily a touchdown, and and he didn't even see the ball. There were several plays like that. Julio Jones got manhandled by. Lattimore on one occasion, there was no call on that play. This game could have easily gone the other way last week. And now they're playing a Panthers defense, allowing 25 points per game and 385 yards per game over the last five. Um, And I think when this game hits about late third quarter and the Saints have a big lead on the Bucs, the Panthers are going to ease off the gas pedal Mm. and the Falcons are going to sail right past them. Ron Rivera has said, you know, they're playing all out to win, which makes sense. They're you know, have a chance at a buy still with uh, if a lot happened and they don't need much to happen to win the division. You win this game and the Saints lose and suddenly the Panthers are playing a home game. So they have a, a lot to play for. It, it'd be hard for me to imagine them taking the foot off the gas. And I don't think Rivera thinks they're good enough to do that. I mean, they don't have any receivers. They lose Demir Bird for the season now. So why not save them if it's clear the Saints are going to win that game? If, Bunches, if you're entering the fourth quarter, why not save your good players? I just, I, I guess like what, if the Saints are up by 20, like what's the cutoff? If the Saints are up by 10, that to me, that's not enough. We see it, this just, every year with, when teams watch what other teams are doing. It's it's a little different, I think, with the with this situation. I think the Panthers also just want to play well. I mean, I think the, I think Rivera's kind of of the Belichick mind of like we're not good enough. We need to play well. We need to do our best to win this game. And if they're down by thirteen points going into the fourth, like that's an opportunity to make a comeback and put that in in the bank that you could have going into the playoffs. Julio Jones looked good last time these two teams played. And this, well, this he is always looks good. That's not the problem with them though. They just Julio Jones can't find the end zone this year. They don't. They they're not. Lattimore on Julio the is, is a great year. matchup. Yeah. And last last time, you know, there was extracurricular stuff that that went along. Uh, but no way, I'm I'm mixing it up. You're thinking of yeah, Mike I'm, Evans. Yeah, I'm thinking of Mike Evans. I think the Falcons could, they can lose, right, Greg, and still make the playoffs. They can lose and they'd make it in if the Seahawks also. But the the path to the Falcons missing the playoffs is a loss. And I want to get it started. I'm done with the Falcons this year. I'm locking up the Panthers. Take it home, Carolina. We yeah. got a lock-off. Oh, it's yeah. a lock-off. I'm going with the Falcons. Yeah. They, are, they have been the unluckiest team in the league lately, and I think that luck evens out. He, here's where I think their luck starts, though, is I'm not sure this is a good coaching staff. Like, they have blown— The Falcons? They have blown so many situational mm. games, including that Carolina game where they're up 10 points, and there's so many, like, small things that happen within a game, and it keeps happening over and over. And maybe they're just snake bit, but at some point, I think it comes back to mm. coaching. Yeah, I but, think they have a good head coach. I think their offensive coordinator is a problem. Their head coach has not done well with, I think, a young, talented defensive roster. It is not a good defense. They are their defense was pushed around by Carolina last time in a game that they really Their defense is playing better than Carolina's defense. They are playing faster. They're flying to the ball. And Carolina, we give Steve Wilkes all this credit for his blitzing and it's leaving their secondary exposed. Mm. They got burned by big plays all throughout last week's game. And like I said, averaging 25 points per game allowed over the last five weeks. Saucy. All right, so we got a lock off. <laughs> Moving on. Cincinnati Bengals, 6-9. and nine. Um, surprisingly beat the Lions last week, ending Detroit season. But now they travel to Baltimore to face a rival in the Ravens that have a path to the playoffs, got to win a game here. And uh, I think it's going to happen, right, right, Greg? 
I, or at least win this game. I expect it yeah. to happen. If you win this game, you're the five seed. You also, I think, probably get into the playoffs, even if you lose the game, because all you need is a Bills loss or a Titans loss. So the Ravens are very likely in the playoffs, but I would be extremely disappointed if they didn't win this game. There's no reason that their defense and their special teams and Joe Flacco playing better shouldn't be enough to take care of the Bengals. Eric Weddle has a million dollars riding on this game. A million. If he gets voted into the Pro Bowl and the Ravens make the playoffs, he has a $1 million incentive. He's already been voted into the Pro Bowl. Wow. (laughs) He's He's about to get it. Yeah. I love it. He's deserved it, too. What a great season he's had. Uh, did you know that if Mark appears on each of the Super Bowl week shows, it's, it triggers a $1 million escalator in his contract? <laughs> well, that wasn't in my contract. Yeah, Wes. Uh, Actually, it was I'll in try to contract. do what Wes couldn't have done last year. <laughs> Wes missed out on the million. Now it's your turn, Mark. It, did, and we all get a chance. Once a, once a year, one of us gets that escalator. Are you going to try to pull like uh, Tanya Harding on me and get me? I mean, it's kind of like a skins thing, actually, in golf, where it actually it doubles. So since Wes missed it last year, it's now $2 million. You're going to try to get me into some sort of a position where I don't make a show so that it goes to I'm going to throw you in one of those lakes. I don't like that at all. <laughs> Minnesota, that, that could be. Fake. I'm a little concerned. I'm watching the weather reports out of Minnesota. There's like a record-breaking low of minus 37 right now. This is where they're sending us yeah. for a week to trounce around I and write stories. Shout out to Listeners in Minnesota, uh, good people. Great Nice people. football team you got there. Uh, but pretty wild that they're sending us uh, in February, <laughs> in, in January, That's late January. Well, they live there. People live there all year round. Shouts to Minneapolis. I'm yeah. just saying. We like the people. You know? We like the team. What's wrong with, uh, I don't know, Miami? This doesn't sound healthy to me. Wow. What? For you? I mean, I got to. Or any human. I got to run around in the shower just to get wet these days. <laughs> <laughs> I I think this is a, a, an important game for the Ravens to get Alex Collins going. 30 carries for 70 yards over the last two weeks, and they're not nearly as dangerous if, if he's not playing well. And if they do win this game, it's going to be Ravens at Chiefs, which probably doesn't get people too excited. But I, I think those teams are the two teams kind of in the AFC. I like I that like, matchup. I like that matchup, and I think those are the two teams – that have the best chance in the AFC of making the Super Bowl other than the top two. Speaking of flights, we're flying to Minneapolis uh, in about a month. Greg, your wife and your two children were involved in, and this is actually, I was actually thinking about this because it was pretty surreal, Greg. The one thing you never want to have happen is your loved ones go on a flight and then you hear about that flight on the news. (laughs) Not at all. So in a way, you're fortunate because the flight from LAX to Japan was a major news story, at least in LA. I don't know if it was national. It was national. Yeah. I went and checked CNN.com the next morning. You want to like explain story. to listeners who are not aware what happened on the flight that Emika and your two children were on? Well, they they got on a flight to Los Angeles about four hours into the flight. I mean, to Tokyo, rather, from Los Angeles. I dropped them off. Uh, at nine in the morning, then came here to, to tape our Tuesday podcast. And about four hours into the flight, they made an announcement that they were turning around, that they were flying back to Los Angeles because, in, in their words, someone that was not supposed to be on the plane was on the plane. 
And that was all the information <laughs> that they got, basically. That should keep the Ominous. panic, the panic <laughs> level down. Thankfully, I didn't know about any of this until they landed and, Emma, and my wife, Emika, texted me. Meanwhile, Chrissy Teigen and her husband, John Legend, are on the flight live tweeting this. Sitting next to your wife. No. no. They, they're in first class. Unfortunately, uh. the Rosenthal's are, are in the back. <laughs> NFL.com's uh, Rosenthal's. <laughs> uh, but they, you know, she live tweeted the whole thing, kind of turned it into an international incident i would say yeah and credit to emica who is maybe the biggest badass i've ever met did really took it all very much in stride like she says she can't feel her arms today because she had to carry my son walker all the way from the gate to a bus which took them to a hotel and walker is 17 so that's that's (laughs) for a couple hours you know that took it for a couple hours they didn't land in Tokyo until 30 hours after the initial flight left. My God. That is the, I think that's a definitive air horror story that doesn't involve. Well, for all these sports reporters that like to make a cottage industry out of, you know, complaining about their I don't think they make money off it. No, but it's like, oh, my my flight's an hour late. Your your wife sent out an Instagram post at like 1 a.m. saying that you had a 2 a.m. flight. I was up and I saw this thing. I thought, this is a nightmare. Yeah, the the next flight that they took ended up being delayed an extra hour and left at 3 3 a.m. It, it would, it would, and she barely complained about it at all. There, it did have a happy ending, though, and in the most Japanese way possible. Be careful. When they got off, no, nah, this is straight from, <laughs> straight from my wife's words. Oh, it okay. is very Japanese of of the company A and A, which I've always had a great time on. When they left the, <laughs> wow, what a plug! I'm Pitch just man. saying, when they got off the plane, they were each handed an envelope with three, it, the equivalent of three hundred dollars. Each both of your children too. The the children as well. So that's that's nine hundred for the family. That's amazing. Did we ever? It is a happy ending. Did we ever figure out what was going on with the imposter? (laughs) The L.A. There was a report in the Los Angeles Times that there were two people on the flight that were not supposed to be there. They say it was some sort of accident, but there are conspiracy theories out there. Both ISIS based. Well, one side question: You you have a full month uh, off at your house with no family. What happens at the Rosenthal household when Greg has 30 days alone to operate idea. freely? It was, it's not 30. It's 12. But, oh, okay. <laughs> um, well, I, I must say, I don't think I spoke to anyone out loud yesterday unless they were giving me food. Uh, and it was glorious. It was oh, like man, a great, that sounds it was so like great. 24 hours. That sounds amazing. <laughs> um... Yeah, I went. I ran some errands yesterday. My kids are both home. My wife is on vacation home. I ran some errands and came back in like half an hour, and then I just sat in my car. Oh. <laughs> Need a little more time. Needed a little more time. I had the same situation. Throw five cats into that equation five. in your house. Gotta get rid of them. when you're allergic to them. All right, moving on. The is kids. Daddy ever coming back? <laughs> Not anytime soon. <laughs> the Kansas City Chiefs nine and six. Um, already um, have locked up the AFC West, playing locked into their four seed in the AFC um, playoff picture. So they are playing for exactly nothing, traveling to Denver to face the Broncos. Um, Do we have any updates on is everyone getting rested in KC? I suspect there's a chance it all happens. Well, I mean, to start with, Patrick Mahomes is going to start. Sounds like Kareem Hunt, who's had one of the busiest three-game stretches of any back in the league, will rest, maybe Tyreek Hill. I mean, I think if you look at Mahomes, and I know I was someone that thought, oh, with the, you know, with the way that the Chiefs operate, that maybe we'd get a chance to see him at some point. You could not have dreamt up 
a better scenario for when you actually did see him than it's they've locked up a playoff berth. Alex Smith has had a Pro Bowl, if not an MVP type season, according to some. And he's coming in simply in a game against a lost, rudderless Broncos team where, if anything, he gets a little bit of experience that they ever needed him in a, pi- in a pinch in the playoffs. I think it's a perfect situation for the Chiefs. Get him some reps. That's, that's true. It's a terrible situation for Vance Joseph because I think the chances that he loses to the Chiefs' backups are fairly high, and there could not be a more embarrassing way to end your season and perhaps encourage a coaching change than to lose to your big rival's backup quarterback, especially with Paxton Lynch in the mix. Bad news. Let's move on. The San Francisco 49ers have won four straight since Jimmy G uh, took over, and now they can close out the season uh, with a five-game winning streak if they could beat the Rams. And good news, the Rams... They are 11-4. and four. They are locked in to the two seed, correct? No, they're not locked in, are they? They will they, be the third three or, fourth. or the four seed. The yeah. three or four seed. So this is why I have Greg here. I need Greg's guidance. With this. <laughs> they're locked into a home playoff. They're locked into a home playoff game. They could be three or four, but they've made that decision internally that being three or four isn't worth uh, playing some of your top players and maybe getting somebody hurt. Uh, with playoff football right around the corner. So no Jared Goff, no Todd Gurley, no Aaron Donald, uh, no Andrew Whitworth. Uh, I think I might be missing one other stud. Uh, But you get the picture. Uh, The 49ers are set up well, potentially, to uh, end the season with that winning streak. I think Sean McVay and Wade Phillips did a little Nick Foles watching, and they're not afraid of the Eagles. And that's one of the reasons why they're arresting their players. I don't think so. I do. I really think that 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 chance to go into Philadelphia against Nick Foles factor. But, but not playing your starters barely increases that your chances. There's so many things out of your control. A, the sixth seed can win the first game and they go to Philly. So it's not like you're just set up and you're going to Philly. There's a good chance the Rams keep their three seed anyways, whether they win or lose, because the Saints could lose this game. Uh, you know, I was could, I was speaking more of they're not afraid of the Eagles. Right. I, I agree. I, I'm saying I think they're thinking about what can win us a Super Bowl. And they're not thinking about the Eagles. They're thinking, let's get a, take a week off with all our important players. The three or four doesn't really matter. I don't think they can think about Philadelphia because there's so many X factors to that. And you have no control that, you know, the, you might have a tougher matchup falling to the four, let's say Carolina or New Orleans coming into L.A. than if you have the three seed. Uh, so, like, there, there's just like a million different factors. I don't think that would be. I, I'm bummed that they aren't. And so is Kyle Shanahan, who said that he, he really wished that the Rams would have put their full team out there to challenge this 49ers team. They absolutely scattered the Jaguars. It's amazing what, they, what the 49ers and Jimmy G did to the Jaguars psychologically last week. That team was battling themselves on the sideline. Jaguars defensive players fighting with each other. Keenan McCardinal getting into it with his wide receiver. And they were getting killed on the field. I would love to see this 49ers team, who I think is a plug-and-play playoff team next year, to go up against Sean McVay's Rams and to do something in Week 17 other than all these teams sitting their starters. They're starting to look – the 49ers offense is starting to look like the 2016 Falcons where you've got open receivers wide open with defined decisive throws. Yeah, that was a coaching game last week. Like, it was, they just out-coached. Yeah, it's crushing. I'd love to be a fly on the wall for that uh, 
John Lynch, Bill Belichick trade discussion. A little bit more came out in Albert Breer's column this week. Belichick, you know, we've heard the story that Lynch asked for Brady, and Belichick was like, are you really asking me if you can trade for Tom Brady? <laughs> well, Belichick told Lynch, you're going to love Garoppolo, not just a special player, special person, and you're going to love how the team reacts to him. And we've seen that in San Francisco. The team really has reacted well to him. Let's move on and check out the Oakland Raiders, 6-9. and nine. Terrible season for the Raiders. Travel to the Stub Hub Center. The Stub. The Stub Toe. <laughs> All right. To face the Chargers, who um, got back on track against the Jets last week and now have a chance to make the playoffs with a win and a little bit of help, uh, Greg Rosenthal. And I know you're pumped about it. You want those bolts in the postseason. It's been a long buildup to this moment. I mean, we have been hyping up this Chargers team, or I have, and you certainly have too, Mark, since the middle of the summer. They were kind of like the it team. They start 0-4, and they blow that game in Kansas City, but it all kind of leads to this moment where they still have a very good chance, I think, of cashing in, and I know they haven't looked great the last couple weeks on offense, but their defense is third in the league in points allowed. If their defense can do anything. It can certainly control Derek Carr. I think you can get a get healthy game. Forget about those last two weeks. Play well offensively this week. And I think this is it would make such a great statement karma wise if the Chargers get a little bit of luck on Sunday with the Titans losing and you get into the playoffs and and it's like these are the new Chargers. The San Diego Chargers were the ones that were old Charger and we're getting some good luck this time. I, uh, you know, listen. And they're going to do it, too, of course. They are going to do it. I picked one Super Bowl team, the Giants, who are a flaming trash bag <laughs> and one of the worst teams of my adulthood. But I also picked the Chargers. <laughs> Your adulthood. And I believe so much that they're going to do it that I'm going to fuck it up. All right. And you're on a roll. So this is good news for the Chargers. It is good news for them. Yeah. I don't think they'll even find out about it, but if they were. Melvin Gordon's ankle is something to keep an eye on. Says Ender, he's going to play. Says he's going to play, but is he going to play effectively? We'll see. It's a good question. And run defense and rushing offense are not nearly as important to winning football games now as they were 15 years ago. But I would like to see the Chargers play better against the run. Bilal Powell had way too many big plays against them last week. Really? And for them to run the ball to keep defenses honest because the Jets – Defensive line controlled the line of scrimmage and put a lot of heat on Phillip Rivers last year. The Chargers' running game has been inconsistent all year. And Bo- Bosa and Ingram have been very quiet the last two weeks, and this team just is not the same unless those two guys are special. I don't know if it's just been the matchups or it's the end of a long season, but they need to be excellent. You know, the, the great thing here is, though, they get Corey Legit back, it looks like. They're getting Denzel Perriman back this week, and they're playing – one of the most conservative, poorly coached, dead-in-the-water offenses I've ever seen. I mean, they are that again. They are huge favorites in this game. which They're double-digit favorites, which makes me a little worried when you're the Chargers, but I really do think that they're going to roll. I want to see at that stadium because this is the game you're worried about from a StubHub center angle that L.A., whenever you go to a sports bar in L.A. still, it is flocked, filled with Raiders fans. They are all over this city, and they're going to be – that's going to be a home game for the Raiders. Imagine if the game mattered for the Raiders. It would have been I know. 90-10, potentially. Hmm. Well, we'll see. Come on, Chargers. It matters You're here, for, get out. Get a ticket. It matters for Jack Del Rio, I feel like, and it could matter for Jack Del Rio, and it certainly matters for their 
offensive coordinator Al Downing, who essentially got Todd Downing. Todd Downing, rather. Al Downing was a baseball player. Yeah. He's a pitcher for the Dodgers who gave up a very big home run. It really felt like Downing got that job because he's extremely. Hank Aaron, 715. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> one baseball one name change, Greg, blew you up there. I'm sorry. <laughs> Al Downing. 1974. I don't know where. Proved one to the, the, the hammer. A.C. Cowling? No, that's that's someone else. That's Al someone Downing? else entirely. You know who this is, damn it. I think Derek Carr and and Downing are very close, and that was one of the reasons Downing reportedly got the job, and they decided to make the change of getting rid of Bill Musgrave and upgrading and you know getting Downing this job, and it has backfired horribly. All right, let's move on. The AFC East, we're back in, and it is the Bills at eight and seven with a chance to get into the playoffs against the Miami Dolphins. Six and nine, not playing for anything. The Dolphins' news of note is that Jay Cutler has let it be known that uh, he is not looking to stay in the league as a backup, uh, which means it's a very good chance that Jay Cutler has played his final game uh, in the NFL come Get Sunday night. Out immediately, <laughs> not sooner. <laughs> this has been the most unwatchable team in the league in a season which the Browns are about to go zero and sixteen. And Jay Cutler is a big reason living in his hotel room like Howard Hughes coming out on Sundays just to throw short of the sticks for 60 minutes. I can't take Jay Cutler throwing short of the sticks with sloppy footwork anymore. Get him out of the league. Well, I asked on NFL <laughs> Network a couple weeks ago. It was a I think it was we were handing out Christmas gifts. And my Jay, Cutler's Jay like, Cutler. Ugh. My gift for color was that he'd be kidnapped oh. and been taken back to Southern California, and it did not happen. But Wes, I think you would have agreed with that gift. I've always wanted to live in a hotel <laughs> for a little while. That's little man, oh, yeah, that checks that, out. That little quote, little Royal Tenenbaums. Colerick's quote was hilarious. That that like it's been okay that they don't change the pay per view movies. They don't rotate them enough in the hotel. Mm. Like he, yeah, this he, guy's he, plugged he, in. He burns through them too quickly. That was. What are you doing like, watching so those boring. films? How about some right. game film, please? I think though, I I have a feeling the the Dolphins win this game though because winning in week seventeen to go seven and nine at home, like that's Dolphins football. <laughs> you want to know what Dolphins it's football is? It's, it's winning a meaningless game to get you to seven and nine and maybe not save some jobs. Knock, it, knock they are averaging bills. almost 13. They're scoring 13 more points a game at home. Uh, they are an unwatchable team. Kenyon Drake's not unwatchable. He's kind of like a young Shady McCoy and Shady McCoy in this game. I, I just want to mention how great Shady McCoy has been all season. He, he kind of slips under the radar. He reached 10,000 yards in his career on fewer in, in the fifth fastest amount of carries in NFL history. The only running backs in history that did it in fewer carries were OJ Simpson, Jim Brown, Barry Sanders, and Adrian Peterson. That's the company McCoy's keeping. And you used to hear about him like, oh, can he hold up over time? This guy's missed 11 games in nine seasons. He is always on the field. He's tough as hell. He's running better than ever. If they somehow make the playoffs, he's their MVP. But you don't see that happening for Buffalo. You've just predicted a Dolphins victory. Just karma. No, I don't see it happening. But Shady's been incredible. Great player. He's been great. Terrible tipper. And an even worse party organizer. Right. That's, that's LaShawn I'm not McCoy. defending him, but on the field, he is an incredible player. Um, real quick, Greg, can you fire up the uh, modem generator and tell me what the Bills need? The Bills the Bills need to win, of course. Yes. The Bills have the worst chance of any of these teams to sneak in. Because what they need is either a Ravens loss to the Bengals or they need the Titans 
and the Chargers to lose. That second option is probably better than the first. It's a little better, but either one of them, you can easily see see a scenario where they do win and they still don't get in. Minus 62-point differential for the Bills this year. They're not a good team. No, they're And one last, I'd like to make a motion started by Jarvis Landry here to get rid of the reception as a stat. <laughs> it's totally meaningless. Go with first downs as a receiver that stat. Feels, that feels dramatic. Uh, no, it, look, what, what value is a two-yard bubble screen to your offense? Get rid of receptions and go with first downs as a receiver. So 103 catches for 900 yards. Not, it's not doing it for yeah, me. Not doing Are it. we sure that Adam Gase is a good coach? I mean, what is this guy at this point? Um... Well, you're saddled with Jay Cutler, but he wanted Jay Cutler. They're not good at it. For all the grief that Cutler takes, they are at the bottom of the league in in rushing. They're in the bottom of the league in pass rush. They're at the bottom of the league in pass defense. They're in the bottom of the league in rush defense. They're in the bottom of the league in special teams. So Jay Cutler is not great, but this entire organization is bad. There you go. And back to the Bills one second. They need a win. They need a little bit of help. So I just want to... Maybe a little pep talk for the Bills, because I'm rooting for him this oh, weekend. No. Lindsay? Dude for Bills Mafia. Dude for the 17-year-old boy from Orchard Park, at Park who wants to see his favorite team in a playoff game before he can legally purchase cigarettes. Dude for that one guy who suffered a compound leg fr- fracture when he attempted to do a backflip off his cousin's RV and onto a folding table. <laughs> Do it for all the illegitimate children who have been conceived outside New Era Field. Do it for the, <laughs> do it for Scott Norwood. Do it for Jim Kelly. Daryl Talley. Remember that guy? Do it for Steve Tasker, who CBS insists sticking on the sideline in whichever <laughs> NFL city has the most miserable weather on a given week. Do it for Bruce Smith. Finish with exactly 200 sacks. Right on the money, baby. <laughs> do it for Tim Russert. Do it for Niagara Falls. Itchy a butte. Do it for Wade Phillips' face on that day in Nashville. Do it for the Buffalo Sabres, who got robbed in the 99 Cup Finals. Do it for OJ. Scratch it. Do it for John Bon Jovi, who was blocked in his efforts to buy the Bills, thanks in part to the grassroots smear campaign by none other than Donald Trump. And lastly, do it for every loyal Bills fan that has packed your stadium during a playoff drought. Not even the Cleveland freaking Browns can match. These people have stuck with their team. Football gods... Reward them with a little magic on Sunday. Do it for two-time Shield champion Patrick Crawley. Mm. Do it for Crawley. I like this all-male chorus. <laughs> all right, let's move on. Arizona Cardinals at the Seattle Seahawks. Here we go, Seahawks. You're still in the mix. Everybody said it was all over after you got embarrassed by the Rams. But you can do some damage still, Chris Wessling, with the W against the Cardinals and a little help. Your thoughts on this one? Seattle's offense is broken, and there's no way Russell Wilson should be in the MVP discussion because he's part of the problem. Their offensive line is scapegoated every week while Wilson has a random attack in which they don't go with reads. He just runs around back there and invites pressure, and he's part of the problem. And... As well as he's played this year, as much as he's carried the load, this the first half of the last three games that the Seahawks have played have been broken beyond repair offenses. Mm. And this is not an easy matchup. I know the Cardinals have played an easy schedule, but they have the number one defense in terms of yards allowed since week 10. Their defense is playing well, 
and this is a great rivalry. Bruce Arians was caught on tape, you know, saying that that's that's our home field up in Seattle. Ooh, could be and Arians' last game. Think it, about it, that. It's a really interesting game that might not end up mattering just because of the rivalry, but it could be Arians' final game, and it really could be the last kind of rodeo for this Seahawks defense. And and the fact that it's against each other and rivalry, you know, I you know, I'm not. I'm not giving any uh, advice for people out there in the desert, but the Seahawks are heavy favorites in this game. And how is this game not coming down to the very end in one of these kickers or some crazy play? It's just destined for that. Dan, there are rumblings, according to Brian Costello from the New York Post. League <laughs> rumblings. Yes. That if Arians goes, as we expect, that yeah. the Cardinals would like to have Todd Bowles become their head coach. How about we swap? Well, I don't think Arians... I'll take Cousin Bruce. I'm not sure Arians wants to go to the Jets. Uh, if they really want Todd Bowles, I think I would be okay with that. Especially if a Jay Gruden or someone like, like that came available. I, I think a lot of Jet fans would be okay if Todd Bowles wasn't back. Hmm. Despite the relative quote-unquote success of the season, which people need to I mean, calm down just a little bit. He's 20 and 27 over three years and hasn't made the playoffs. So it's... I. They've been competitive in 13 of 15 games this year. They've been competitive. Nobody expected that. uh, But is Todd Bowles like a Super Bowl winning coach potentially? Does he have that type of juice? I don't know about Todd. And and Seattle, you know, they're going to be playing this game at the same time as the Falcons. It's exciting. I mean, I wonder if it's the last Earl Thomas game there after what's happened over the last week. They asked Pete Carroll about it during the week. Never a good sign. He just just said, well, when they asked about Earl Thomas going into the Cowboys locker room, he said, well, that's unusual. That's just Earl being Earl. Mm. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. Earl, you know Earl that being Earl, Earl, that's, that's trouble. You know, one thing about Earl Thomas, he would give you the shirt off his back if it was the last one he had. Mm. That's Earl. <laughs> hey, little breaking news. The New York Giants officially have a new general manager. It is our boy, Dave Gettleman, formerly of the Carolina Panthers. Gettleman, of course, had a lot of history with the Giants before going to the Panthers, and now he comes home. I like that's a good hire, I think, and I think the Giants will um, do well. In that. Ernie, of course, he played a big role in this. He was a consultant for them. Gettleman obviously has Giants ties, and I wonder if, of course, he would continue to play a consulting role for them, and they're going to get their quarterback. Well, so much for blowing it up. They They basically are continuing the same run of people and the same tree of executives that they've had going back to George Young in the 70s. It's a successful organization. Yeah, but which is not bad, right? I mean... I know you were calling for that, but this has been a successful organization for a long time now. The downturn in that roster coincided with Gettleman leaving for Carolina. I like Gettleman. So I think... And building a Super Bowl team and a contender this year. I do do wonder what it means for Eli. You would think maybe it helps his chances of sticking around. Hmm. More hog mollies are coming to Jersey. Blue Goose pass time. Blue Goosers. Yeah. All right, moving on. The New Orleans Saints are 11-4. and four. Uh, They can win the NFC South uh, with a W. That's correct, right, Greg? That's, Just winning in. That's absolutely correct. Very nice. And or, they get, or a Falcons win. Or a Falcons win. Get it for win. them. There you go. And the uh, Bucks are their opponents standing in the way, Greggy. I don't think this is 
a layup for the Saints. First of all, the Bucks have played the other two NFC South teams the last two weeks, and it's come down to the final possession, so you don't have to look back too far to really test that out. I also think the defense on in Tampa is healthier than it's been all year. Quan Alexander, Levante David, Gerald McCoy, Brent Grimes, they're all actually on the field at the same time, which is nice. And Jameis Winston is easily playing his best football of the year over the last few weeks. As, as bad as Jameis has looked at times this year, and his numbers are better than he's really played. He, only two quarterbacks in the league have a higher yards per attempt than Jameis Winston. Tom Brady and Drew Brees. Now, that's misleading. I don't think he's at that level. But it hasn't been a disastrous season. This team can throw. They're at home. I just I don't think this is some layup for the Saints to just go in there and get an easy win. As always with Jameis Winston, you have to add the caveat that apparently turnovers don't apply. Well, he only has eight interceptions this year, 18 touchdowns. How many fumbles did he lucky. lose last week alone? Him, but they have nine turnovers. Between him and Jay games. Cutler, they are really struggling with uh, the center exchange snap and and stuff like that. Sort of a basic element to playing quarterback, but okay. I like what Man Titeo threw back in your face last week when you said he wasn't AJ Klein. He was. He was. He great. played a better game than AJ Klein's ever played in New Orleans. Man Titeo stepping up is like a sign, and I think we talked about this on the Pick'em show that everyone should watch on, nice. on Saturday. Start watching it. it when, when you have players come off the bench and start playing really well for you, like that's a sign of, of you're having kind of a magical, a good season, a good organization. The Saints have done that all year. And if you have not seen the Pick'em show yet and you are wondering, hey, what happened to all the Manti Teo fake girlfriend jokes? Brought that back. Coming up Look this forward week. to oh, yeah, that. Coming up. Little yeah, teaser. What, a, what a tease. Bringing it back. I mean, jokes. Honestly, if the Saints lost this game, what a disappointment. I don't think they'll lose. I just, I just in a division game where there's a lot of heat here, you know, Lattimore and Mike Evans last night, I just, I expect. The biggest game they've had in half a decade. And I, I think if I could trust them as much as I trust Pittsburgh to take care of their business. Mm. I think they're, they, they can attack you in so many different ways. And this Bucks coaching staff, basically, it already feels like they must know they're going to get ejector seated for John Gruden. Yeah. You've got a wide receiver under a police investigation right now. And you got Mike Evans, who blew up against Marshawn Lattimore last time. But they they, played. they outplayed the Panthers last week. They did. In the week in the week before, it was a. a I think the Saints are a much better team than the Panthers. I think they're going to win the NFC South. I like it. Four days from now, lock it up. I already yeah. locked up. That would be ridiculous. To lock you up. mentioned the wide receiver with some legal issues right now. I was going to ask if anybody in this room was perhaps driving a Chevy truck on Christmas Eve down in Florida. Negative. Negative. <laughs> Well, we were here Christmas Eve. Well, at least... Well, were we? We have an alias. Well, unless you zip down there on a quick flight or something. I drove a Dodge Ram for about 10 years, but it's been a while. All right. Wes is a figure of suspicion. Well, Greg, certainly. He was trying to deflect. Greg is a figure of suspicion. I was have I, I have... Uh, I filed some copy that night. I spent some time with the children. Did How you? Have I? Did you really? You can look at the, the email. I mean, your wife's in Tokyo. We have no idea what's going on in your life right now. Put it on the she board. She was there, there. No one's above suspicion. Finally, the Jacksonville Jaguars at Tennessee Titans. Uh, Jaguars can't get into the um, by territory after their loss. Um, and they've already won the dis- the division. So they're in the 3-4 lock zone. Is that correct? Greg? They're just locked into the three. So they're locked out right. And they're, they- they're into the three and they'll play one of those wild card teams. And the Titans, of course, they can still... Uh, get in the playoffs if some things go their way, Chris Wesley. If I'm a Titans fan, I want them to lose this game. I know that sounds harsh, 
But to me, the long-term benefits of putting Marcus Mariota with a good coaching staff outweigh winning this game and being a lamb to the slaughter to whichever first-round team you are going to play. Which could be the – although it could be the Jaguars again, a team that they did, and it was a long time ago, but they did – Drop a hammer on him back in week two, 37 to 16. Really, the high water mark of the Titans season was that was early when their offense was clicking against the Jaguars and the Seahawks. It had a lot in common with the Jaguars game against the 49ers where they didn't get out to a lead and the other team ran the ball down their throat. Titans also have a general manager with Patriots ties. Mm. Yeah. I almost would view this job is more attractive than the Lions one potentially. I would too. And Josh McDaniel, maybe it'd be a Josh McDaniels type of spot, I, I, I think that would make a lot of sense. It's a fascinating game. If you think about it, last year at this time, it was the game that knocked the Titans out of the playoffs and ultimately got Doug Marone this job. Their entire franchise history was changed by Marone kind of owning them late last year. He could now kind of change the Titans franchise by going out playing to win this game and they say the starters are going to play I think they want to bounce back after last week they're they're such a better team than the Titans they really should win this game if it's a fascinating game it will be the first fascinating Titans game I've watched all season <laughs> are we I like the Jaguars. are we putting uh are we putting all of Marcus Mariota's struggles this season on his coaching staff no yes I don't know if he's not seeing things clearly. He's certainly making decisions where he's reading a defense in a certain way and it's not coming out the way he thinks. Doesn't have a lot around him either. Yeah, his footwork's been off too. And how mid middle of the season, how they had four rookies they were trying to get involved in offense and they don't do much anymore. Where are those rookies? Well, it's like they have the smash mouth approach and then they've got the spread hurry up, which he's clearly better at, and they're trying to meld that. How about you just have the part that he's actually good at. How about you build the offense around him instead of trying to go with your 1990s smash mouth nonsense? We will see a lot of Derrick Henry in this game, though, because it's exotic smash mouth. DeMarco Murray is hurt, and this was a game where Derrick Henry uh, really ran well against Jacksonville the first time around. Two concerns I have with the Jaguars. Leonard Fournette looks slow and hesitant coming off of a series of injuries, and Blake Bortles' mechanics really regressed in the crucible Mm. of a close game in the fourth quarter. Several different drives, he looked like 2016 Blake Bortles. And their defense got taken apart by Jimmy G. They're not playing Jimmy G this week. And that was a coaching thing, and I just don't, you know, coaches getting specific matchups, and you just don't. That's the thing. I don't trust Malarkey to be able to do something like that. There's no Marquise Lee still for the Jaguars. Uh, which is a big loss for them. The next time you hear from us will be Sunday night, New Year's Eve, in fact. No rest for the weary mark because guess what? New Year's Eve, we're doing like a an hour and 20-minute mega wrap-up, and then the next morning, get on up because it's Black Monday. I love how the calendar worked out this year. It's really been beautiful, perfect for us. Very healthy. But we're not complaining. We, we have good jobs. Anyway, so until Sunday night. Make sure you check it out. It's the flagship program. And check out NFL Pick'em, which airs, I think it airs two times. Uh, check your local listings. Um, and, yes, there is a hot Manti Teo callback. Do people still Jared. have local listings? I don't know. <laughs> Just their guide, yeah. I guess, on the DVR. TV guide. This is Dan Hens signing off for Quiet Storm. The mailman, the old boss. You don't mess with the Fulton behind the glass. Till Sunday night, week 17.
Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a mid-sized SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower. Hybrid Max powertrain unlimited and platinum trims delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first-ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander. This is where projects come to life. Our showrooms are designed to inspire with the latest products from top brands, curated in an inviting, hands-on environment, and a team of industry experts to support your project. We'll be there to make sure everything goes as planned, from product selection to delivery coordination. At Ferguson Bath, Kitchen, and Lighting Gallery, your project is our priority. Find great brands like Bosch at your local showroom or visit us online at ferguson.com build. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts.